Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Well, welcome today to our online experience. We are in week four of a series that we have called Making Room for a Miracle. Uh, But before we start that, I just wanted to let all of you know in the room that are with us, we have a great group, not a very big group, but a group here with us today. (laughs) There they are. And they're helping me preach today, which I'm glad for, but we are way under the legal limit. So we are keeping it safe and we are distancing ourselves from one another. But for everybody in the room and everybody watching, you know, we're living in an interesting time. And the scripture has this great phrase, call to the kingdom for such a time as this. And this is the way we need to think about this time in our lives as as Christ followers, um, that God doesn't have us here as individual Christ followers by mistake in this time. That he has called us and that he actually wants us to do something, um, that there's an opportunity. And as, as we're talking about miracles from the life and ministry of Jesus in the scripture, every miracle that happened in the ministry of Jesus took place in an occupied territory. In other words, there wasn't great circumstances, maybe politically or whatever you might want to say in the world at that time, people were living in unease. There was difficult situations, difficult family situations, but all of the miracles of Jesus took place during that time. And that's the way we need to think about our lives right now, that God actually wants to do something through our lives to accomplish something, to bring his kingdom when times are difficult, when the enemy's bringing something against the world and individuals and sickness and disease. We as Christ followers, we can bring health and healing and we can bring joy and we can bring grace to just little small interactions. I was in the, in the store yesterday, you know, and some of the other shoppers, you know, they're wearing masks and they're a little bit nervous. And you know that you can really bring joy to a situation with just a smile, I proved it out (laughs) because there's people walking down the aisles and just very nervous. And if you just smile at somebody and if you just, you know, bring a moment of joy to a situation, it is actually changing the atmosphere in people's lives. And when we change the atmosphere in people's lives, we're actually changing the world. And this is what God wants to do through all of us. We all have opportunities. We all have opportunities as we are at home with our family that we're forced to be with, even though we love them. And we wanna be that with them. We chose to be with them and marry them and to give birth to these children. And this is more time than we're used to, but we can use this time for good things. We can use this time to grow our relationships and to strengthen our family bond. So thank God for all of these opportunities. And uh, so we're talking about miracles and just making way for the supernatural in our lives, positioning ourselves to receive the power of God. And that's what we've been discussing as we've been looking at some miracles from the scripture, using the sports metaphor that we want to get into position. If you've ever played basketball and and you're on offense, you want to face the person that has the ball so you're ready to receive the pass. We can't force a miracle to happen, but we can get in position. We can be ready for when God passes something our way. And he's always passing things our way. He's always saying things to us and offering things to us. So we want to be ready. We want to be in position to receive what God has for us. So we looked at 
Uh, the first miracle in Jesus' ministry, if you missed any of these messages, they're all available online. When he turned water into wine, and then we've talked about how obedience sets the stage for the miraculous in our lives. We talked about the healing of the centurion's servant, the woman with the issue of blood, the healing of the nobleman's son. And then also we talked about Peter walking on water. All of these miraculous events, people did stuff and acted a certain way and, and got themselves into position to receive the miraculous. And that's what we want to do in our lives. Um, a miracle is a supernatural event. It's a divine act. It's transcending the ordinary powers of nature. And we see miracles of healing and provision and timing all throughout the scripture. And we can experience these things in our lives. And we, uh, as it relates to these things, we want to agree with God. We want to open up ourselves. We want to see the activity of God. And that's what we're talking about today. We just wanted to, to see what God is doing. And, and the question is, do we actually have the ability to see what God is doing and how God is operating? Because sometimes we can actually miss it. I know... Um, with my wife and I, we, we have um, different gifts and ability, and a lot of times I just can't actually see what she's good at. And one of the things she's really good at is as it relates to colors, and she loves to paint. You know, whatever house we're living in, she just loves to paint, change up, you know, the color of the room and stuff like that. And, and one of the houses we lived in, we lived in for about 10 years. And what I would say about this one room in this house, I feel like we lost some square footage because she painted it so many times that the walls were moving in. Uh, just so many layers of paint. And what she would do with the paint that she was wanting to change the room to, she would get about three or four different shades of that. She would put a, a splotch of paint all the wall. She would get a sampler of it. And then she would just stand and stare at it examine these colors, and I would just walk by, and I'm like, you know, there's marks on the wall. And she's like, I like this gray, but then she would say this, it pulls blue. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> to me, it's gray. I didn't have the ability to see what she's saying. And, and then conversely, just to keep it equal, in our household, she doesn't like sports, generally speaking, but the, she didn't grow up watching hockey. And when we first got married, the struggle for Nicole is she couldn't see where the puck was. And for a while there in the States, and I think I've seen this recently, they would actually try to, when they were putting the broadcast on American television, they would actually have a streak with where they had like a sensor in the puck, and then so you could actually see where the puck was. And as I was watching the game, she was like, I don't know what's happening. I can't see the puck. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't see the puck? It's right here, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm not even sure if I'm actually watching the puck or if I'm able to follow the play because I've watched hockey all my life and I've played hockey. But she just didn't have the ability to see the puck. Couldn't perceive the game that was happening. But we don't want to be like this as it relates to God. When God is doing stuff, we actually want to be able to see it. We want to be aware of what God is doing and to perceive when God is throwing something our direction. I want to be able, I want to be in position to see what God is doing because if we can't see what God is doing, we're gonna miss out on what God is doing in our lives. So what can we see? And you know, we, we have this phrase that we say and, and logically it doesn't actually make sense, but it does make sense. We say this to each other. Can you see what I'm saying? 
Now, let's think about it for a second. Can you see what I'm saying? No, we actually say, can you, you know, can you hear what I'm saying would make more logical sense. But what we're saying in that moment is, can you actually perceive the concept that I'm trying to convey to you? Can you understand what I'm saying? And this is what we would see in the scripture, scripture over and over again. When the Apostle Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus, he would pray for them, and he would pray something along these lines, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. In other words, they would be able to perceive the activity of God. He didn't necessarily just pray, Lord, heal everybody, or just do this for them. God, I would pray that they would see what you have already provided for them, that they would understand the activity of God. So when we would say to ourselves, we should ask ourselves about the things that God is saying to us, can we see what he's saying? Can we see what he's doing? Because we want to be able to perceive what God is doing in our lives. We want to see the activity of God. First John chapter 1, verse 7 says this, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walk in the light. That this idea all throughout the scripture is that light is referencing understanding. Light is referencing being able to see. But if we're walking in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That if we have this relationship with God, then there's going to make a difference about how we are in relationship one another. And then it says this, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. See, when we expose ourselves to the light of God, what shows up in our lives? Oh, we realize how fall, you know, how much we fall short of the holiness of God. When we expose ourselves to the light of the word of God, we're like, oh man, I, I make so many mistakes in this area. But thank God, you know, the scripture continues and talks about forgiveness, that God gives us forgiveness when we open ourselves up to him. He exposes the deficiencies of our lives and our flesh. But once again, walking in the light, we see something. Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The things that God says helps me to see. And the things that God is saying to us should enlighten our ways, it should illuminate our path. But one of the things that God is illuminating our path towards is the miraculous. He's helping us to see and to walk in the things that he would have for us, for our individual lives, for our families, for our church, for whatever God would have. He's showing us the way he's lighting our path. And the big question as we're going to be looking today, can I see what God is doing? Can I see what God is saying? Can I see the operation of God in my life? Am I opening myself up to God? Psalm 36 verse 9 says this, For with you is the fountain of life. Not the fountain of youth. We wish that was true. But the fountain of life. And then it says this, In your light we see light. In the light that God provides for us for life, we actually are able to operate not in darkness, but in the light God provides. Are we aware? Can we see the activity of God? Are we open to what God is doing? Now, we're going to look at 
a story here of miraculous healing. And we're going to see in the story how a bunch of people could see it and a bunch of people couldn't see it. And the whole story is about a blind man being able to see. So the whole chapter, as we're going to look at here in a second in John chapter 9, is about seeing physically and it's about seeing spiritually. And there's this group, there's somebody there who saw physically and another people, it was so obvious what was happening. And then there was a whole other group of people like they couldn't see it. They couldn't see what God was doing. And we want to be of the group that says, man, I can see the operation of God. I can see the hand of God in my life. I can see that God is illuminating my way and my path so I can walk in his ways. I can walk in the things that he has for me. I can walk in his blessing and his goodness and his forgiveness and his grace. Because that's the path I want to walk on. I don't want to walk on the dark path. I don't want to walk on the path that the enemy would lay down for me, but I actually want to walk on the path that God has for me. I want to be able to see what God is doing. So we're just going to read a whole chapter in the Bible. So if you're at home watching this, make sure you go get your Bible or open up your device, and it's just, it would actually be a good idea to read a chapter in church once in a while, right? Can I get an amen from these groups? All right, thank you. And for you at home, give me an amen. I can hear you. John chapter 9. So we're going to look at this healing of this one man, and it says this. And he passed by, and he saw a blind, uh, saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they're walking by this guy, and he was from birth. He had been blind his whole life. And, and the disciples asked this question, and this was a question of the time that people had this idea that if something happened to a child, if they were born maybe with a birth defect of some kind, that you could blame one of two people. You could either blame the parents or somehow in utero, the child sinned. And because the child sinned in the uterus, that this was somehow a punishment or some negative activity God was doing in somebody's life. And this is the question somebody was asking. This is a big philosophical question. And because why do we ask questions like this? Because we really want to lay blame a lot of times, right? Isn't it easier to blame somebody else? Any married people today? Isn't it easier just to blame your spouse for any argument that you might have? It's just, it's just it's so much more fun, actually, <laughs> to fix blame on somebody else. Because what we're trying to do when we fix blame, we're trying to create some sort of mathematical equation in our hearts and our minds, we're looking at a situation and we're like, here's a situation. What was the cause of the situation? I want to actually try to figure out the cause. Show me the equation why this negative thing happened. So they're asking Jesus, who sinned if this person was born blind? Was it him? Was it his parents? So Jesus helps us so much to understand something here about the activity of God and the purposes of God and what it would look like for us to see what God is doing. Jesus answered. This is what he said. It was not this man who sinned or his parents. Let's pause there for a second. So here, we've got it figured out, Jesus. We know this guy was born blind. Why? Because it was, it was his parents sinned or he sinned. Jesus said it was neither of them. But as we're going to read here in a second, Jesus never really answers the question. Jesus never answers the big why question. And we actually don't like this sometimes because a lot of times we just want to know why and we want to know it. 
from being a toddler. If you've ever had a toddler in your house, your toddler is always asking, well, why? Why? And then you say, why? And they're like, well, why? And they want to know why. And sometimes we're just grown-up toddlers because why are we trying to figure out why? Because we want to just understand why things happened. And we want to make a simple math equation, and we want it to make sense. And sometimes we're trying to make sense of the pain, the things that we're suffering through, so we're trying to figure it out. But Jesus answers the question that it wasn't, it wasn't then or it wasn't him that this man was born blind. But then he says this, but that the works of God might be displayed in him, we must work the works of him who sent me. Now, what is the work of God? The work of God, now, as we would say, and as we would figure out, here's Jesus and a blind man. Now, you, if you know the Bible at all, you, you know what's going to happen. But what, what do we think about? Here's Jesus and a blind man. What's going to happen? The person's going to get healed. Here is what is a simple equation, knowing the activity of God. So what Jesus is saying is the activity of God has not actually taken place in this man yet. Jesus says, I must work the works of God. In other words, the blindness is not the work of God. The birth defect is not the activity of God. Jesus is showing up in this negative, evil, bad, dark situation. And he's saying, I must work the works of God. See, sometimes in some translations of the same story, say, okay, well, he wasn't born blind, but this happened so that, and that phrase actually isn't in the scripture. And what they would be trying to say, and what a lot of times people are trying to say, is this, God did this negative thing, so then he could then heal the person. But God doesn't make people sick. Jesus told us. Well, why was he born blind? Was it his parents? Or was it him? Jesus, no, neither of them. But then Jesus, without answering the philosophical question of why, he says, I must work the works of God. I must work the good healing power of God. So in other words, the activity, the blindness, the, the, sick, the sickness, the disease, the struggle is the work of the enemy. And Jesus is showing up and saying, I'm going to work the work of God. And here's what I would say. I want to see when the activity of God is taking place. I want to be wide open to it. Whatever would God want to do in my life, I want to be wide open to what he would want to do. Verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me. Well, this day, night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is illuminating to us the activity of God. He's helping us to see what God is like. Didn't make this man blind. But what he is going to do is he's going to operate in the ways of God, bring the healing power of God to this situation. So here's another thing that we would say, and we kind of touched on this last week, as it relates to, you know, the evil in the world, the difficulties in the world, all of the things that are happening in the world aren't God's will. The things that we are experiencing right now are not the will of God. God is not actively killing people with disease. God is a healing God. So it helps us to know, once again, that we can push against certain situations. Why? Because it's not the activity of God. That's what Jesus is saying. I must work the works of God. We must work the works of God. 
we must do the activity of God. So it helps us to know that everything that happens to us is not the will of God. Let me take it one step further so you can understand this. Everything you do is not the will of God. Everything I do is not the will of God. You know, once again, people try to make it easy, and they say phrases like this, and once again, I love you, but if you say this phrase, it's not true because we're intending it to put something on God. They would say a phrase like this. Everything happens for a reason. Now, I get why people are saying that, but what they're trying to say was that somehow God made something happen for a reason so that, and they try to make some big philosophical statement. In other words, but then what we would say, once again, and I, this is a joking phrase, but sometimes the reason things happen is because you're stupid and you make bad choices. <laughs> That's a better reason to think about than to try to blame God for a negative situation. So everything that happens to me is not the will of God. Everything that I do and everything you do is not the will of God. But what do we want? We want God to illuminate our past so we can walk in his ways. So we can walk away from sin. So we can walk away from destruction. And then we can receive what he has for us. Now, let's keep reading here because it's an interesting story. And then there's a great interaction to see a group of people that can see it and a group of people that can't. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud. So like the spit, mud connection is going on his eyes. Now, one commentary said, once again, to prove Jesus' divinity, that just like God creating man of the dust of the ground, Jesus then is displaying that again, that there's going to be a creative miracle happen here with the same way God created at the very beginning. He's going to use the dust of the ground to have a creative miracle for this man. And this is the only time Jesus did this. So he wasn't necessarily saying, here's the new methodology. You know, if you need something from God, spit in the ground and throw mud at somebody. That's not the purpose of the story. It's not the practice we're supposed to take away from it. But he did this in this moment. And then he said to him, verse 7, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Verse 8, the neighbor and those who had, had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is not this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So there's a group of people there. It was like, you know, was this the guy that sat around? It was blind all the time. And there's a group there saying, yeah, it's him. And others people are like, no, it's not him. Why? Because he is seeing now. And then he's like, yeah, it's me, everybody. He's interjecting in this back and forth. Verse 10 says, So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes. That's what anointed means, to rub on. Anointed my eyes and said to me, Go wash, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind, 
Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Now, John is doing something super special here in his storytelling. And, you know, we read this and we think it's the Sabbath, no big deal. But the reason he's throwing this in as the Sabbath day, this was like, you know, something subversive that Jesus was doing on the Sabbath day. Because from Jewish culture, you weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath day. But then here God is breaking their rules about the Sabbath and what is God doing on the Sabbath day? He's like doing something good for somebody, but they're not gonna be able to see it because they've got God in a certain category. They've got God, he can't do anything on the Sabbath day. He can't operate this way, he can't do this. I've got God all figured out. And this is what we do sometimes, we think as finite beings, we think we have the infinite God figured out. And we're like, they're like, surely this isn't God because it's the Sabbath day. And you know, there can't be an activity of God. And this was a shocking moment for any Jewish person reading this story. Verse 15. So the Pharisees again asked him how he received his sight. In other words, they weren't satisfied with the first telling of the story. Why? Because it was outside of their box. They couldn't see the activity of God. And he said to them, he put mud in my eyes and I washed and I see. He's starting to tell the story shorter because he's, hey, is it me? Yeah, it's me. And they're like, okay, what happened? They told me I washed the mud. I went to the pool and blah, blah, blah. And so the Pharisees show up and they're like, tell it again. And so he gives the short version of it because he's telling it too many times. He's like, hey, mud, I see. It's a good thing, right? It's a good thing. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? Simple answer. He said, he's a prophet. The man who was healed is like, uh, what do you say about him? Well, obviously he's a prophet. Verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents of the man who received the sight. So now he's telling the story. It's been proven. It's like, is this the guy? Some are like, no, it's not the guy. He's like, I'm the guy. I was born blind. And they're like, no, it can't happen because it was a Sabbath and this group, but it's like, well, he's here and he's healed. And so they're going back and forth. And there's a group that can see it. And to them, it's like so obvious that this is the activity of God. And there's a group that's like, no, this cannot be the activity of God. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind, verse 18, and had received a sight until they called his parents who had received his sight. And has asked him, is this your son whom you say was born blind? How then does he see now? His parents entered Uh, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. And then they said, ask him, he's of age, he will speak for himself. In other words, he's old enough, why are you asking us? We're like, we know this is our son and we can confirm he was born blind, but we don't know what happened. He's old enough, ask him. This is like Bible comedy happening right now. 
Verse 22, his parents said these things, because listen, because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, asked him. So what was happening here in this conversation? There was religious pressure happening. In other words, this, this certainly can't be the situation. And then if anyone is going to confess something positive about Jesus, that he was the Christ, man, they're going to be put out of the religious gathering. Now, wouldn't we think at this point, somebody might want to say, praise the Lord or something, right? Like, would anybody want to celebrate with this family or this guy that something really good had happened? But what is happening in this conversation? What is being missed out? They, they can't see it. He saw physically, and he was just happy to have the activity of God in his life, separate from any religious trappings, and some sort of religious methodology that must be adhered to. He was just like, well, obviously it was the power of God, and obviously he's a prophet. But then there was a whole group of people there that just couldn't see the activity of God, couldn't see what God was doing because it was outside of their religious thinking. So his parents said, ask him, verse 24. So for a second time, here we go again. They called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner talking about Jesus. In other words, don't, don't say that Jesus did this. Say that God did it. We know that Jesus is a sinner. Verse 25, he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Can it just get, can we just be simple? I know you're trying to make, get it all technical, and I know you're trying to make Jesus out to be a bad guy. He's like, I don't know about your religious argument, or what you're trying to say, but this is, this is what I know. I was blind, now I see. Right. I, I can see the activity of God in my life. Right. I'm aware, I'm able to see, but then I am also able to see. Right. This is what we want to do. This is what we want to be open to because there's a group of people in this story that just aren't. Like this, this is my thoughts about God and this is the way God can operate. And it's just, it's this, it's this box and this box only. But God here in the story stepped outside of their box, but they, not only could they not see it, they just refused, not open to the things of God. Verse 26, they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? I love this guy. I told you already. Do you want me to tell you again? Because the guy that you called a sinner a second ago, do you want to be his follower now? This is such an interesting story. such an amazing story. Listen, listen to what happened. Verse 28. And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. In other words, we follow the right guy. And this is how the church world operates today. 
We follow the right preachers. And the way our preachers operate is the way everybody should operate. And they can't see anything outside of their own group or outside of their own favorite preacher. But you know that God is not bounded by our thinking. Do you understand that God is not checking in with us about who he can bless? And like, hey, do you approve of this person? Okay, good, I'll bless them then. You know, God's not doing that with us. Do you know that God will bless people that you don't like? I've proved it out. (laughs) Do you know that? It's like God's not thinking about people the same way you and I are thinking about people. Then we're like, okay, God, this is all you can do. And then God will go outside of that. And in that moment, what could we do? We could get stubborn and we're like, oh, certainly that's not the activity of God. You know, but God is not confined to our thinking. God, God is not just confined to what we can see. And this should help us all to think, you know, I just got to open up my vision. I just got to expand my thinking. I just got to expand my thought of God. Because this was their issue. They're like, you know, you're his disciple. We are Moses' disciple. And this is the Sabbath day. And we know he's a sinner. And all of these reasons that they were putting out that helped them not see the activity of God. I don't know about you reading through the story. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to miss out on seeing what God is doing. I want to just be wide open to the activity of God. See, and the people, too, not only are they missing out on a rejoicing moment, they just, they just won't accept that this was the activity of God. I don't want to be like that. I just want to be God, whatever you want to do. What, what is it that you want me to see? as you illuminate my path and my way. And let's be honest with, I, God, I haven't got you all figured out yet. Man, we can learn some things about God from the scripture and who Jesus is, but we have not God complete, have him completely figured out. They reviled him saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as, as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. He hasn't passed our litmus test. The man answered, listen, I love this guy. Why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Do you understand? This guy could see, and he could see. He could see what was happening. He could see the activity of God. And that's the thing that helped him to see. That he was just open. God, I'm just open to your ways and your thoughts and your word and your power and your grace and your miracle working power. I'm just open, wide open. And partly what he's saying is we know this guy is from God because of what he did. There was another story in in Mark chapter 9, a story similar to this where the disciples came to Jesus because there was one guy 
who was not one of the close disciples, and then he was doing some amazing things, but they wanted to forbid him from doing the things because he wasn't one of Jesus' close disciples. Listen to it. Mark chapter 9, verse 38. John said to him, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly, I say to you, whoever gives a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will, be, will by no means lose his reward. So Jesus in this story is saying from casting out a demon to giving a cup of water, that in that span of things that God is there there and there and everywhere in between. That the activity of God can take place outside of our approval, outside of our box that we have God in. So So Jesus is saying, don't don't stop him. No one's going to be able to do something in my name that's speaking evil of me. From doing this amazing thing to just giving somebody a cup of water, that we're doing it in the name and power of Jesus. And this is the point I was making at the beginning about smiling at somebody in a very sad time. How much of an impact can that make? We have so many opportunities right now to bring the presence of God to somebody's life, all while being safe and sanitized and keeping our distance but we can actually do something miraculous in a moment if we will open up ourselves. Just to be aware that God might actually want to use me in this moment. God want me to dispel fear out of somebody else's life. Because some oppression or some darkness that they're feeling in this moment, that God can actually use you and I. Verse 34, so the story continues. They answered him, you were born in utter sin and you would teach us. Now they're just pride. You understand? They're like, we know the Bible. You don't get out. It's pretty much what they said to him. You're going to teach me. You're going to teach me about God. See, this is where for all of us that have been saved for a long period of time or have been following Jesus or we know the scripture, we can think we've got God completely figured out. And somebody can come along and, and show us something, show us something about the activity of God and you know our pride can rise up. You're gonna show me something. And that was it. They cast him out. Verse 35, Jesus heard they had cast him out and having found him, he said, here's a really good thought. Sometimes... People won't like you, but Jesus always will. People always won't be on your side, but in that moment, Jesus will come up to you anyway. Even the religious people, however you would like to define that, they won't like you sometimes, but Jesus will still walk up to you. Jesus will still reach out to you and I. And he says this, do you believe in the son of man? Guy, he answered, and who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? 
Now, do you understand the reason he didn't know who Jesus was is because the first interaction he had with Jesus is he was blind. So he didn't, so Jesus came back. He's like, well, show me who he is. He answered and said, who is he, sir, that I may believe him? Jesus answered, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. You have seen him. Don't we want to see the activity of God? Don't we want to see what God would want to do in our lives and through our lives? You have seen him. What, what's, what do we have in the story? We have a group, an individual who's able to see. And then Jesus comes to him and says, you can see. And then there's a group. And this is not like an atheist group. Do you understand? This is like a religious group. Not able to see what God is doing. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Now, do you understand? Lord, I believe is not the same as Lord, I've got it all figured out. Or Lord, I understand everything about life or how everything operates in the world. And then because I've got all of that figured out, I'll then believe in you. It's in the uncertainty. It's in the unknown. It is in the struggle of life. That in that moment, that's the time when we say, Lord, I believe. And what are we doing in that moment? We're just opening ourselves up. We're putting ourselves into position to receive the power of God. We're we're making room for a miracle in our lives. Because this is the attitude of this guy the whole way through. Because at any point, up to getting spit mud put on your face, you probably could reject the idea, right? It was like, dude, there's mud on my face and you spit in it. I'm gonna opt out. But here, this guy's wide open to see the activity of God. Lord, I believed and he worshiped him. Verse 39, Jesus said, for judgment, I came into the world that those who do not see may see and those who may see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? And Jesus said to him, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now you say, we see your guilt remains. See, they're like, they couldn't see the thing that Jesus was trying to get them to see. What did they see? They saw their traditions. They saw the Sabbath day, which God couldn't move. They saw God in a box. But in the middle of that, we're like, well, we've got it figured out. We can see. It would be foolish for me to stand in front of paint with my wife and she says, do you see the blue undertone? I'd be like, "Uh, yeah, when I don't actually see it. What, What do I need in that moment? I need some humility to say, help me to see. See, and this is what all of us need to come to God with. Not that I've got it all figured out. Not to here's my exact equation of why this thing happened. Or I understand everything about life and the world and and its operations. 
that I'm just coming with a humble, open heart like the man who saw it. He said, Lord, I believe. I believe that you are a powerful, miracle-working, saving, forgiving, grace-giving God. Lord, I believe who you say you are. I don't understand everything. I haven't got it all figured out, but I'm just wide open to you. See, this was the problem with the Pharisees. There was just no humility. It was just a know-it-all attitude. And Jesus said, your guilt remains. So here in the story, we want to be like the blind man who saw. We don't want to be like the others. Even though they're religiously trained, couldn't see the activity of God. Last verse, and then we're going to pray. James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. And that's the place that I want to be in. Because all of the miracle working activity of God comes from his grace, comes from a gift that he gives to us because of Jesus, not because of our own qualifications, but because of his goodness. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So that's who I want to be. I want to be like the blind man who saw. Lord, I believe and I worship you. See, we don't want to take our faith and make it so technical. Not that you can have, not that you can have biblical training and understanding and all of those things, but you can't take your faith and make it so technical, thinking that you've got it figured out and you lose out on just your simple relationship with your father. And the father, the father God who loves you is better than any father, any human father. And he's giving his grace to his children. And I just want to be wide open. I just want to make room with a humble heart and a humble mind and say, God, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do in me, whatever you want to do through me, whatever you want to do for me, God, I am open to you. Even if it's outside of my box, even if it's outside of the purview of my understanding, I just want to be open to whatever you would have for us. Open to your goodness. Let's just pray today. Father God, we just love you and we thank you for your word today. God, we just humble ourselves to you today. Lord, and we humbly say, we haven't got it all figured out, but what we do know is that you are a miracle working God, that you are a powerful God. And so we just open ourselves up. We position ourselves to humble ourselves under your mighty hand. And we say yes, Lord, to whatever you want to do in our lives today, whatever you would want to do through our lives today. God, we're even humbled at the thought that you would want to use us. But God, we are open. Whatever you would want to do right now in this season of my life, however you would want to use me to be a blessing to others, I am open to your power. I am open to your miracle working power flowing through me to somebody else. God, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you happen to be watching today and you have never taken a first step in your relationship with God, I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me. 
The gospel, the good news is all about Jesus, that he came, he lived a sinless life, he died on a cross, God raised him from the dead so that we could actually have a relationship with God for ourselves. And it comes not because we're perfectly moral people, because we aren't, and we can't create some sort of religion and offer that to God and then him accept it. No, God doesn't accept any religion, but what God does is he offers us a gift of righteousness. And that just means right standing with him. And all we have to do is say yes to that gift. So if you've never taken that first step today, you pray along with me. Everybody here in the room is gonna pray along with me. Or maybe you're watching today and you kind of feel like, you know, you're distant from God. Maybe you kind of feel like you've become a critic of all things and you become negative towards the things of God. You know that God is not mad at you. God invites you close to himself again. God wants you to open up yourself again to the things of God. You pray along with us as well. So everybody here in the room, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud together. God, today we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life and he died on a cross and you raised him from the dead so that I could know you. So today I say yes to the gift of righteousness. I say yes to the gift of a relationship with you. God, today I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time or you rededicated your life to Christ, we would actually love to know about it here at the City Church. If you were to DM us on Instagram or if you were to email us at info at thecitychurch.ca, we would love to send you some materials. But also when we're able to gather again uh, physically as a church family, we invite you to be part of our church family. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 and you'll see that online when we're able to meet again. We'll invite you to become, uh, come and gather with us physically and move closer to Jesus. We are on that same journey. So we're excited about that decision that you made today. Also, we want to make sure that you keep up to date with everything that's going on um, here as a church digitally and online until we are able to meet again. Keep checking back to our social media platforms on Instagram or Facebook. And then the hub of all things that we're doing right now is at the City Church. Uh, .ca, and then the tab is online worship experience. Everything that we're doing ministry-wise is on there. We've got things on there for kids and youth. We've got um, virtual groups happening. Just everything is there on that page. All the services that we're gonna continue to post will be on there. But thank you for watching. Have an amazing day. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.